They lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Good morning. It's good to see all of you who are here in the worship center. Welcome to those of you who are joining us in the venue, as well as those of you who are joining us online. Dr. Roland Taylor was a pastor who lived about 50 miles from London in the 16th century. And in 1553, uh, Queen Mary, also known as Bloody Mary, summoned Taylor to London and had him imprisoned for two years because of his involvement in the Protestant Reformation. Eventually, he was sentenced to death. Uh, He was sentenced to be burned at the stake, and that's what it sounds like. They tied you to a pole, then they built a fire around you, and you perished in the midst of this this fire. The night before his execution, uh, Taylor was permitted to write a letter to his wife and his nine children. I don't know what you would write. I probably wouldn't be able to write this, but this is what he wrote. He said, I say to my wife and to my dear children, the Lord gave you unto me and the Lord hath taken me from you and you from me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I believe that they are blessed which die in the Lord. God careth for the sparrows and for the hairs of our heads. I have ever found him more faithful and favorable than is any father or husband. Trust ye therefore in him by the means of our dear Savior Christ's merits. Believe, love, fear, and obey him. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Who is able to write that? What type of a person could write that? He didn't fear the queen's threats, he didn't fear dying. What I find most amazing, he didn't even fear for his wife and his nine children after he was gone. And so he embodied the verse that we're going to study today, Psalm 23, 4. We've come to this verse in our six-week study of Psalm 23. And David writes, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff they comfort me. Today we're going to talk about how we can progressively become the type of people who can pray that verse from the heart. The type of people who increasingly are free from fear, the fear of dying, and all of the fears that we experience in our living. Before we do that, I'd like to to ask you to bring to mind a couple of the things that you tend to fear the most. As you think about your present circumstances, or as you think about the future, what, what are the things that tend to stir up fear in your mind and in your heart? 
And, and it will vary for different ones of us. Something that you find almost paralyzingly fearful, another person may say, yeah, that's not, that's not a huge issue for me. And so it will vary from person to person. But here's some examples. Sometimes our fears are related to the things that we have suffered in the past. And so if you've been mistreated, if you've been sinned against, if you've been betrayed, if you've been discriminated against, those may be the very types of things that you fear the most in the future. Or your fears may be associated with the people that you love the most. We talked about Roland Taylor's children. If you have kids, chances are you would say, you know, I never want to suffer, but my kids, my worst fear is that my kids will suffer something horrible. Your fears might involve your mental or physical or emotional health. Your fears might involve aging. You might fear what's going to happen to me when I have increasing physical limitations, when my world is going to get smaller, I'm going to lose my independence. Will I be isolated? Will people take care of me? Will I have enough money to make it until I die? And then will I leave anything to the people I love? Or your fears might involve the upcoming election. Uh, people on the left and the right, they, they, they are continually telling us, you should be very, very fearful if the other side wins, right? And so there are evils, there are dangers that we're warned about. Uh, all over the place. And so keep these things in mind. Whatever tends to stir up fear within you, keep it in mind as we talk about this verse. And just to let, to let you know, the Bible doesn't suggest that if you, if you really trust God, that if you really have faith, that no evils, no dangers will touch you. The Bible doesn't say if you just believe enough, then you'll be invincible. You'll be untouchable. No, it says that you will, you will face your fears. I mean, you will face those dangers yet without fears. And the Bible doesn't suggest <clears throat> that we deal with our fears by pretending that the dangers aren't real. No, the scripture teaches that, that everyone is born into trouble. If you live on this planet, you will experience trouble. And if you're a follower of Christ, you will experience unique troubles because of your faith, your loyalty to Christ. And so we're going to talk today about how we can live and die without fear. <clears throat> We're taught two very profound realities about fear in Psalm 23, 4, and these flow from David's experience. We learn that we can learn to live without fear even in the midst of, our even in the midst of danger and evil. We can actually learn to live without fear. It's like Paul said in Philippians 4, I've learned the secret of being content with abundance and lack. And so, uh, David, David was the same way. We can learn to live without fear in the midst of danger and evil. Notice again how David expresses himself in the first line and a half of verse 4. <clears throat> he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. And so in biblical imagery, whereas the mountains and the hills, they were places of safety and security and abundance, the valleys were dangerous places. The valleys were places of darkness. They were places where you were very vulnerable. Uh, rushing water would cup deep valleys between the hills surrounding Jerusalem, and those valleys could be very foreboding and dangerous. One person who lived in Israel for many, many years described a valley not far from Jerusalem 
this person wrote, about, it's about five miles long, this valley, yet it is not more than 12 feet at its widest, and the actual path is so narrow that in places the sheep can hardly turn around in case of danger. And so if you were a sheep going through that valley, you would be very vulnerable to all sorts of predators. A wolf, a lion, a bear could grab you. And there, if your, your shepherd weren't protecting you, there's nothing you could, you could do. And for some of you, you're in a deep, dark place right now. Uh, this is not hypothetical for you. This is not maybe someday for you. You are in the valley of the shadow of death. It's as if death is casting its shadow over your life right now. Well, commentators have pointed out that David viewed this valley of the shadow of death as something that he walked through. He said, even if I walk through this valley, he never had in his mind that he's going to dwell there. He's not going to live there. He's going to go through it. We'll see in verse 6, no, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so these valleys are dangerous, but they're temporary. And David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. And and David experienced legitimate dangers and legitimate evils. You know, things like assassination attempts. He was in war. He he fought the civil war, Israel. Uh, He lost an infant son to death. He lost an adult son in battle. And so David would never trivialize the reality of dangers and evil. He's not saying, I'm untouchable, I'm invincible. No, David's saying, I face danger, I face evil, but I face it without fear. Now, why is that possible? Well, what we learn next is that we can learn to live without fear, even in the midst of danger and evil, because of our shepherd's presence and protection because of our shepherd's presence and protection. And in this verse, David, for the first time in Psalm 23, turns and talks directly to the Lord. Verse 1, he talked in first person. uh, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, first person. Then he talks in third person. He, he leads me, uh, he settles me down in, in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. He brings me back. He guides me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. But here in verse 4, we read it again, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you, Lord, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Something about it prompted to David to just turn directly to the Lord and express this. And so for David, his experience of the presence and the protection of the Lord, that's what drove fear out of his mind and his heart. And so God was as real to David as his dangers. God was as real to David as the dangers that he faced. And so David was, was in using the imagery here, he says, I, I am not like a sheep without a shepherd. I am not alone when I go through deep, dark valleys. I'm not left alone. I'm not abandoned. I'm not exposed to the elements or to my enemies. I'm not exposed to my own wanderings. He says, for you are with me your presence. And then he talks about his protection. He mentions your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And as you probably know, sheep are notoriously helpless. 
they don't have claws, right? <laughs> they have hooves. They don't have fangs. Uh, they can't outrun anything, really. And so they are completely at the mercy of the shepherd for protection. And so he says, your rod and your staff. Uh, the rod was basically a club. It was about two to three feet long. It probably had a wooden handle. They would embed iron in the end of it. So it was a formidable uh, weapon. It could, could ward off predators like wolves. And so a rod was used to deal with external threats. The staff would have been the shepherd's crook, and it could use to gently guide the, the sheep along. If a sheep fell into a ravine, the crook could be used to lift it out of the ravine and back on the path of safety. And so for David, the presence and the protection of the Lord won his battle over fear. And it's important to notice that, that he says, God, this is you. you. You are with me. Your rod, they protect me. So he doesn't just have this intellectual or this, this kind of uh, head knowledge. He doesn't say, well, God is, God is omnipresent, so yeah, he's kind of with me. He doesn't say, yeah, God is powerful, so he's got weapons. He says, no, I experience you. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. He had an experiential knowledge of God's presence and his protection. And as we, we think about it, you know, Psalm 23, it's all about God. It's nothing about what David did. But if you look at the surrounding Psalms and the, the entirety of the book of Psalms, you see that David welcomed God as his shepherd. He welcomed the presence and the protection of God. For example, turn with me to uh, Psalm 16. We're going to look at a couple of verses there. In Psalm 16, 1, for example. So again, notice how David wanted God to protect him. So he says in verse 1, 16, 1, Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in you. And so David wasn't passive. He wasn't just, just kind of minding his own business, ignoring God, and God was his protection. No, he said, you're my refuge. You're the only safe place I've got. And so David would flee to God for protection. He would flee in prayer. He would cry out to God. He would, he would um, flee to God for guidance through his word. Look down at verse 8. He says, Psalm 16, 8, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. And so that's David's way of saying, I think about you, God, all day long. I meditate day and night. And so that's why he, as he, as he meditated on God, as he set the Lord front and center, that's, when he, that's how he was able to, to be like a tree planted by streams of water. That's why he wasn't shaken. That's why he experienced God's presence. He lived without fear, even though he had enemies and evil all around him. It was as David welcomed the Lord as his shepherd that he experienced his protection and his presence. At the same time, if you turn over to Psalm 22... It's very clear that David, uh, this doesn't mean that David kind of stoically experienced suffering and that he always felt the presence and protection of the Lord. And so if you read Psalm 22.1, that's where David cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus, of course, quoted that verse as he hung on the cross. And so there were times when David felt like the Lord hadn't had abandoned him. He wasn't with him. He wasn't protecting him. 
if you keep reading, by the time you get to the end of Psalm 22, he had this restored confidence in God's presence and protection. But I just point out Psalm 22 because one chapter later, whatever Psalm 23 means, however we understand it, we have to leave room for these, these cries of anguish that we find in Psalm 22. And again, some of you are there. You're in a dark valley and you're not confident of the Lord's protection in your life. You might feel like God has abandoned you, like he's not protecting you, like you are just left to all the dangers and evils that are out there. Do what David did. Don't give up hope. Press in closer to God. Keep seeking him. Don't let your doubts become unbelief. Stay with God until he he convinces you, yes, I am with you and I will protect you. And so let's think about how we can actually experience uh, Jesus, our good shepherd, how he can supply us with a life without fear. And what we're, we're noticing throughout this series is that we of all people, we who have entered into a relationship with God through the new covenant in Jesus' blood, we of all people should be able to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. You protect me. We should be able to say that. And so consider, for example, John 10, verse 11. John 10 is one of the chapters where Jesus uses the sheep and shepherd imagery most, most, uh, in a most developed way. But in John 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And in that context, the Pharisees were bad shepherds. They were like most of the kings, most of the priests in the Old, Old Testament. Uh, but Jesus is a good shepherd. You read a few verses later, he says, I'm not a hireling. I'm not somebody that says, hey, these aren't my sheep. I'm just earning a paycheck. I'm certainly not going to put my life on the line fending off a bear or a lion. They're just, they're somebody else's sheep. Jesus says, no, actually, I am a good shepherd, and these are my sheep, and I will lay down my life for these sheep. It turns out that sin is the ultimate predator. Sin is the ultimate danger that we face in this life. The wages of sin is death. And so to rescue us from death, Jesus died on the cross. Our shepherd died on the cross for our sake so that all who believe in him would have life. And so uh, biblically, the starting point, if you want a life without fear, is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Flee to him for salvation. Understand, trust that when he died, he died to pay the debt for your sin. And when he rose, he guaranteed that all who are in Christ experience life. Uh, Understand that, that when you enter into a relationship with God in the new covenant, God says, I will remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. The, the most fierce predator in your life will lead you into bondage, will lead you straight to hell. Jesus says, I have separated that you from your sin as far as the east is from the west. And so he's defeated your ultimate enemy. And he says, I will be with you. I put my spirit within you. I will dwell within you. You see in chapter 14, Jesus says, the father and I will, will make our abode with you. We will be right at home with you through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so through Jesus, you have the presence and the protection of God. And when you face death, and uh, 
look out across this room, and some of you are young, some of you are older, but unless the Lord returns first, every single one of us will face death. And when you face death, you do not want to be a sheep without a shepherd. When you go through the deepest, darkest valley imaginable, death, you want a good shepherd who will lead you out of this life and into the presence of God. And so believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will have a good shepherd to take you into eternity. You know, Christians through the, through the centuries have had this reputation. You want to learn how to die well? Watch a Christian die, a, a real Christian, a genuine follower of Christ. And so uh, death is our enemy, so we don't love death. But at the same time, it's a defeated enemy, so we don't fear death. If you've ever watched a genuine believer die. It's, it's a beautiful thing when there's this confidence. There's not a fear of death. There's this assurance. The Savior I've walked with through this life, he welcomes me home. He went to prepare a place for me and went through the cross and he will welcome me to himself. This week, uh, a few of us received an email from someone in the church who had been meditating on today's verse. And this is someone who who really ministers to people in the last days of their life. And uh, here's, here's this comment. I found it to ring true, really insightful. He wrote this. He said, watching believers walking toward eternity with full assurance and hope, fearing no evil is one of the greatest faith-building experiences that I witness. Psalm 23.4 has been confirmed many, many times in my presence. And I would wholeheartedly agree. I've seen people leave this life just with this amazing peace and confidence because Jesus, he is a good shepherd. He will will lead us through the deepest, darkest valley. And I would add that when you're prepared to die without fear, you are now ready to live without fear. And so if you have the assurance that he'll lead you through death itself, then you're in a good place to trust him to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death in this life. And so how do we do that? How might we trust Jesus as our good shepherd to lead us through the dark times in this life? Well, I would urge you, first of all, to, to so this isn't just theory, okay? I, I would urge you to identify one specific circumstances, one specific situation or circumstance that you tend to fear and bring that situation into the presence of Jesus and stay in the presence of Jesus and listen to the shepherd's voice until uh, God is so big that your fear gets smaller and smaller. When you see how big God is, the danger looks smaller and less formidable. And I would would just tell you that uh, you probably know this already, but there aren't any shortcuts here. Uh, You can't really just flip a switch. Oh yeah, I'm not going to fear these things anymore. You have to be convinced on a heart level. You need to do what David did in Psalm 16. Set the Lord continually before you. Stay in the presence of the Lord. In other words, be a true disciple. Abide in him and let his word abide in you. And one of the things you'll have to do is you'll have to decide if you really want to get past your fears. Sometimes our fears have a, have a function in our lives that we don't want to let go of. 
Sometimes some people, I think, are fear junkies. We're like, I can't even imagine what my life would be like. Fear motivates me to do things. But, but you're going to have to settle that. God, I want you to, to, to deal with my fear. I want you to replace it with faith. And so let me give you a couple of examples what this might look like. There, there are no formula, but formulas, but these are some of the ideas. So I mentioned this earlier, but maybe you, you fear the fallout of the upcoming elections. Maybe your, your deepest fear is that on November the 3rd, uh, the other team, the other side will win. Or maybe your fear is, no, I'm afraid we're going to win. And it's going to be this, this increased turmoil in our, our country. Well, I would encourage you, lay out your fears to God as clearly as you possibly can. Identify, okay, what is it specifically that I'm afraid of? Am I afraid of what's going to happen to me? Am I afraid of what's going to happen to other people, maybe the most vulnerable in our country? Uh, am I afraid of, of just, just what's going to, just the chaos that's going to ensue? And I would just assure you that two things can be true at the same time. So number one, uh, you can care deeply about what happens in our country. You can love our country. You can, you can, uh, you can want the best for our country. And you can still see very clearly the potential evils, the potential dangers that will ensue after November the 3rd. So that's possible, number one. And at the same time, you can live without fear. You can march into and past November 3rd without fear, okay? So we're not saying bury your head in the sand, pretend like there aren't any consequences. No, we're saying both things can be true. And so you, you, you acknowledge your fear, you, you, you name it, and then you listen to the voice of the shepherd. And so, for example, you could go to Psalm 46. It's this amazing psalm. And what a profound uh, perspective. He says, God is our refuge. He's a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth should move, though mountains fall into the heart of the sea. In other words, we don't have to fear if we flee to refuge, to God for refuge, if he's our protection. We don't have to fear if the, even if the world as we know it disappears and changes because God is our protection. He's our strength. He's our hope. And you get on down to the end of the psalm and, and God actually speaks. You know what he says to the psalmist? Be still. Stop talking. Stop moving. Be quiet. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. And you read that and God quiets you and you ask, is that what I want? Is that ultimately what I want? That God would be exalted among the nations. And if, if I have that assurance, then I'm okay. I'm okay. God is sovereign. God will take care of us no matter what happens. And again, it doesn't mean we don't care. It doesn't mean we aren't zealous for good works, for righteousness. But it means that God is big and our fears become very small. Or you could go to a very common, familiar passage like Philippians 4. It's where Paul wrote, The Lord is near. 
That's the presence of the Lord, right? So don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray, pour out your thanksgiving to God. This is a season to remember the things that God has done. We don't act as if God never does anything for us. We, we have thanksgiving, we pour out our petitions, and we have this assurance that the peace of God that we can't even understand, it guards our hearts. That's the protection of God. We've got the presence of God. He's near. We've got the, the, the protection of God. He guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so I find that merely thinking about and reading about and talking about the upcoming election, it brings anxiety and fear, but praying about it, setting the Lord continually before me, the fears can dissipate. And so that's what it might look like to let God shepherd you through the dark times. Another example, some of my deepest fears and anxieties over the years have revolved around my role as a pastor. And quite honestly, for many, many years, I was very afraid of what other people think about me. I mean, I want all people everywhere to have a great opinion of me. Jesus says, that's, that's a bad idea. He said, woe to those when everyone, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. But that's what I wanted. And uh, I had, I had a, a, s- a small group of, of friends uh, over the past several years that have helped me bring these fears into the presence of the Lord. And God has revealed Again, through his word, through friends, some of the lies that I believed about myself, lies I believed about other people, lies I believed about my role as a pastor. And there are certain scriptures that have become very, very precious to me. The first part of 1 Corinthians 4, the second half of 2 Timothy 2 have become very, very precious to me. And God is teaching me to care more about what he thinks than what other people think. And by his grace, I'm experiencing more of his presence and more of his protection in my life. I find that as I abide in Christ and let his word abide in me, that I experience this freedom. I experience this fruitfulness. And it's an amazing thing, but it's a hard-fought victory. It is a hard-fought freedom. And so I would just encourage you, will you allow the Lord to be your shepherd? Will Will you allow him to show you his presence? Will you allow him to protect you. Philip Yancey said something that I think is very relevant. He said, you need to weave the parachute before you jump out of the plane, okay? You don't want to be in a free fall and then start thinking about a theology of suffering and then start thinking about how to address your fears. Well, ahead of when you're falling, when when you jump out of the plane, you need, to, you need to abide in Christ and let his word abide in you. Bring his, you weave the parachute by bringing your fears out into the open and listening to the voice of your shepherd. Let him uh, convince you of his presence and his protection in your life. And then you'll be able to pray with David with a clean heart, with great freedom. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you, Lord, Jesus, the good shepherd, you're with me. You are the one who protects me. Heavenly Father, we pray that Psalm 23 would be more than just a a nice poem. We pray, God, that you would give us this experience that David wrote about. We pray, God, that that, uh, as we go through dark times, that we would experience your presence and your protection. I pray for all of us that we would 
begin weaving the parachute that we would just dwell in your presence and experience you in such deep and, and healing ways that when we, when we do experience um, dangers, even when we experience evil, that we would know that you are with us. You've got a track record. You have proven your faithfulness. You've protected us in the past. And God, even if the worst thing that we fear happens to us, we pray that we would be able to say with Job, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We pray that we would be worshipers no matter what. God, I pray for those here today, those in, in the hearing of my voice who are experiencing a dark valley, who actually feel the shadows of death creeping over them. I pray, God, that you would give them a special grace today that they might experience you in deep ways, healing ways. God, be strong. Prove that you are greater than anything that we face. God, it's all for your glory. We pray we'd look back from eternity and just marvel for eternity who you are, what you've done for us. It's in the name of Jesus, our good shepherd, that we pray. Amen.